0: Shall we begin? Let's begin now.
1: On the No Account for Taste podcast this week, we find out why forecasts are always wrong. Take a look at GDPR. Was that really one year ago? And we're also analyzing the cloud accounting marketplace as Zero Sage and Intuit battle for dominance. I'm Richard Hattersley, and welcome to episode 41 of the No Accounting for Taste podcast. And I'm joined this week by a refreshed editorial team who look to have enjoyed the long bank holiday weekend. Up first, we have our business editor, Francois Badenhorst. Hey, Fran.
2: Hi, Richard. How's it going? It's
1: going very well. And we're also joined by Account Web's editor, Tom Herbert. Hi, Tom.
3: Hey, Richard.
1: And we'll be later joined by John Stockdyke, who will be flying by to talk numbers about Zero Sage and Intuit. But first, I mentioned Bank Holiday because uh, we had a rather lively thread on Any Answers this week about Bank Holiday working. We had those who cleaned out the garage or busied themselves in the garden, but others like I really should know this, but who spent 40 minutes looking at emails. Uh, but didn't, that they didn't end up sending to a Tuesday morning and others again like Andy Partridge who opted to pe- To pull in a four days working on bank holiday Monday He said I probably got as much done as I would have done in two working days. That's flexibility um, Working for yourself. So chaps Fran up with you first. Did you spend your bank holiday week, uh, weekend looking at
2: your emails? Um. Well, no. Uh, I, I as a rule when I'm off, I try to avoid it. I, I I was in Cornwall for a bit, and I I do sometimes look at my emails, but I do what the fella you mentioned earlier. Like I'll reply when I get back to work. I just let like percolate in my head, maybe.
1: I guess Cornwall was a good place because there's zero signal most <laughs> of the time.
2: Yeah, there's no signal whatsoever. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I don't know how I keep up with all my all my followers on the gram. Uh-huh. No, no, <laughs> self, no 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 selfies for them, unfortunately. <coughs> Uh, but I actually did. I did do some writing on Monday, but that's just like some writing that I just do on the side and stuff, for, like just for like my own personal, personal enjoyment. But um was that your diary? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so like, I. I Weight get, loss. And I, but I but I, I got a lot done just because like I just yeah, it was just a day where I didn't have to do anything so.
1: And Tom, how about you? Were you
3: uh, checking your emails? Were you out in that garden again? No, um I do tend to have a look at my emails with with young children You chisel out whatever time you have late at night so yeah weird emails tend to get looked at and sent at slightly odd hours i think the people that know me know that uh, that that is because i'm trying to <laughs> trying to juggle sort of family and work life but i think the last thing i want to do when i get in in the morning is to go through the, the hundreds of um, yeah, emails exactly. yeah. that I have so you, you want to start the morning with a clean slate and I mean as, as Andy Partridge mentioned there having the flexibility to do that actually is actually is quite useful and yeah I'm sort of what about you Rich
1: well I can understand where Andy Partridge is coming from as someone who lives not too far away from a motorway the thought of going anywhere on Bank Holiday Monday and getting stuck in that traffic. Yeah, I got... So- I'd rather be looking at emails than that.
2: The traffic is just horrendous. Like, I can say that. Like, it, it took me an hour and a half to get from Bristol to West Superman Wow. On, on the well,
1: as, on, as a Westonian here, Fran, I don't think it was weird. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> you orchestrating it, it's some kind of extin- <laughs> Extinction Rebellion. Well, you just
1: glued yourself to the motorway. I, I think you must have travelled by donkey at that, that speed to get there, Fran. But anyway, bank holiday is over, so let's move on back to Wick and see what's been getting the clicks on Canton web over the last seven days. So here are the three most top popular stories at number three this week we have a story from kate upcraft HMRC charles new paye code triggering this is up to th- this is a story about uh, up to five hundred thousand tax codes currently operated by employees may be wrong based on most recent code issued uh, HMRC is tweaking the dynamic code to solve this problem and in number two this week is the always popular disciplinaries this week was a story about a accountant who came up with a bunch of um, innovative uh, excuses when HMRC was asking him to cooperate with an investigation. Excuses included, please contact me via um, email. And then in the next breath, I've lost my laptop. Um, I'm now only receiving um, communication through the post. Um, but then I've lost the post. So it was... Uh, <laughs> One after each other. Uh, He even included the busy tax season as one of the many excuses. And in number one slot this week, the most popular story by a country mile was the MTD horror story. So Tom, tell us about the MTD horror story and just why this was the most popular story on the site.
3: Yeah, so this is from a friend of the site, Neil Warren. He revealed how uh, a small business, a client of his, adopting new software to comply with making tax digital for VAT, ended up making about £19,000 worth of VAT errors on its first MTD return. So I think, I mean, incredibly popular article, 77 comments on it at time of writing. I think I can put it its popularity down to the fact that it's one of the first use cases that our readers have had a chance to get their hands on. There's so much theory around making tax digital that actually getting into the nitty gritty of a return and saying, okay, this is an example of one thing that clients are getting wrong. I think our members found that invaluable. So, you know, and as I say, I think judging from the comments, a lot of people, not necessarily critical of the client, but just, just, I think quite grateful for Having that flagged in front of them, and it's it's certainly provoked a bit of discussion.
2: It's all been hypotheticals until now, mm. yeah. So like these stories are going to con- are going to continue leaking in, yeah, as uh, MTD kicks off.
1: Well, MTD might have been a horror story for that one accountant uh, featured in the story, but there's no question, MTD has accelerated cloud accounting adoption as the figures from the big cloud vendors released last week show. So in this next section, we're going to be speaking with. Uh, John Stockdike who will talk us through the battle for cloud accounting supremacy. But when we come back, we'll find out from Francois why forecasts are always wrong. Always. Always wrong. And Tom will also remind us of a little legislation called GDPR. Anyone? Anyone remember no, no, that? No, I don't ma- remember that. No? At all. <laughs> okay, so the next person we'll live here is John Stockdyke, who will talk us through those cloud accountancy numbers. Welcome back and we're joined by John Stockdike our head of Insights and John over the last uh, seven days you put together a piece on the big cloud giant's tussle. So we have zero Intuit and Sage all releasing their big financial figures. so what does it say? What does the accounting marketplace look like?
0: Yeah well Richard, you know me generally I'm kind of got my arms up to my elbows in software reviews and you know talking tech at accountex. But this is one of those points in the year where I get to sort of make like a Wall Street analyst and go spend my time listening to the results, presentations, things. And, and fascinating, that they are, I must tell you, uh, there's no more exciting way to spend your, an hour <laughs> of your life than listening to, to Steve Hare and, his, and Jonathan Howell at Sage giving us their, their annual review. But um, it's just a funny coincidence. It's sort of a, a, for, for zero, it's full year results. Um, so and they zero again. You know, pr- I think it was headline figure was thirty six percent global growth. Um, their revenues are about five hundred and fifty two million dollars, but those are New Zealand dollars. So they're um, put it in context uh, into it. Uh, you know, it's more like five billion U S dollars. So that's that's more than ten times uh, the glo- the annual revenue. Uh, zeros. Didn't quite make it up to 2 million users, but one they added, um, oh, kind of several hundred, I think it was 400,000, 432,000, uh, my notes tell me, uh, new users over the year and got up to 1.8 million. Um, so that's their full year result. Very strong there. Um, and I think one of the standout things that they brought to our attention was that the UK was, was uh, I think, 50% growth in this country. Uh, Oh, I wonder what that could be down to, John. Yeah, they—they we've certainly seen, you know we've reported on it before. The old MTD effect, this sort of this bonanza for cloud accounting. Um, you know, there was uh, people used to joke, or it wasn't in joke. People actually, at some points, in accounting where people used to think that MTD was entirely a sort of nefarious plot by Gary Turner to sell <laughs> more zero software. Uh, I, I, he assures us that it's not, folks, and 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 I, I do back him up there but it basically it's, it's really obvious if you're going to do quarterly reporting on any front you, you don't want to have to wait around for your client to remember to send you a data file every three months so it really has pushed the profession towards cloud accounting and zero in particular is one that's, that's really prospered over that um, and again so, so, so that was zero. it's full year results at the same time we get Sage who have a September year end so they came out with their half year results and they had a I guess they've benefited from this year as a as a bit of a halo effect, because last year was pretty miserable. So uh, they've had some corporate changes. You know, new CEOs come in. The actual finance director, the CFO, has taken over as the CEO, and sort of steady the ship. The growth, you know, made some necessary changes, as all incoming executives do. Uh, so the Growth globally is good. Um, UK, I think, was, was pretty good as well. Although um, the UK, I think, with Sage, we don't hear a lot about Sage Business Cloud accounting in this country, and, and we don't see massive amount of users in our software reviews. But Sage had a little up from Sage 50 because the MTD solution there, uh, you had to upgrade to the latest Sage 50 Cloud accounts if you wanted to have an mtd ready solution so that so that that upgrade that's kind of forced upgrade is, is you know may, maybe you've got has got people's backs up but it it, it as a short term revenue you know boost for sage 50 it worked um, sage let's say globally is is much more the, the grand picture for for steve hare and and Jonathan howell the, the the top brass is the migration from sages old desktop license-based model to what it calls sort of s- subscription-based software. And, and it talks in terms of cloud-connected and cloud-native products. So cloud-connected. Cloud-connected is sort of grown very strong in the past year. And that, that's that kind of Sage 50 hybrid where the data can be stored in the cloud, but you'll still process locally.
1: So as we just turn on the TV, we see uh, TV commercials from all three of these uh, or three of these vendors so and looking at these results it, it seems that everything is very much to play for as to who reigns supreme uh, um, in the market
0: well, well Sage I've I was I've written something else today for this week following up is that one of the things that the thing really making the hay for Sage and, and really driving their move to cloud is this acquisition they did of Intact in the States so that's actually going to come over here they've, they've signalled it a few times but so confirmed it in the results that, that we'll be getting that later in the year in the UK I mean so Will complicate things, I think, because you know Sage already has about four or five products in the mid market and enterprise. So, so Intact's going to join the party there, and we'll need to see some, some tidying up. Um, but yeah, it's it's all cloud. Uh, in, but the one who's, gonna the one who's winning is is Intuit. When I wrote the piece last week, I sort of said I wrote it and said one thing we haven't heard yet is from Intuit. Uh, that they, they'll they published their uh, their third quarter results two days after my article. And they've come through. You know where Zero was 1.8 million global users. Uh, QuickBooks Online is now claiming 4.2 million. So they're more than they're double and growing. Now again, people, if they listen to this, will know we're always a little bit suspicious of just exactly what constitute those numbers. <laughs> but but the sort of the it, it is the the big war machine of of QuickBooks and Zero. The sort of you know the the outlying rival. You know they're taking hold. They're making life quite uncomfortable for sage in this country and, and globally but uh, so those are the big ones but we did saw see, you know there's other other cloud platforms are available folks but but that's that's kind of the how it looks at the, the peaks you know the giant combines that are really running the industry but even with the numbers they're quoting there's a lot of other people out there who, who aren't using cloud systems yet and a lot to play for
1: Indeed. And if you're wearing up your cloud options, be sure to check out the software reviews on accountingweb.co.uk. You just head to the homepage and click on software reviews and you'll be able to uh, see which option is best for you. So thanks very much, John. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Rich. And uh, be sure to stick around because we'll be talking more accounting after this. And we're back. So Fran, let's talk forecasting. Then you've written about the energy supply U Group uh, this over the last seven days, um, who has who have recovered from some serious accounting issues. So what's been happening with their uh, U Group?
2: Yeah, it's the dark art of uh, forecasting, I guess. And Tom would be interested. Interesting to get your perspective on it. You 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 covered the forecasting beat always, yourself. And your always name. love a bit of forecast. Um, I can see yeah. that telescope got some, hanging from his pocket. Uh, got some scars from your from your days on the forecast battlefields. Um, yeah. So just as a bit of background, the U, U group is an energy supplier, um, and they made a pretty rudimentary um, rudimentary forecasting error. Basically, um, they underestimated the number of bills unlikely to be paid, and overestimated some customers consumption. It turned a 711,000 pound profit to a 6.2 million pound loss. Yeah. It's a lot of money that's just gone missing overnight, but, um, yeah. So using this as a bit of a basis, I, I just looked at what, what went wrong. Um, obviously we know what went wrong is like they, they, they made these miscalculations but it would seem that in terms of the process of like how they forecasted there wasn't enough kind of due diligence in place looking at it um, and that's where the headline basically comes from it's from what you um, Johnson who's our like our power BI and like forecasting guru the, this idea that your forecasts are just always wrong um, they're not something to be written on a stone tablet on Mount Zion and carried down
0: like mm-hmm. Here we go, everyone. if only one of Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if, if that vision. was
2: if that was the case, it would be wonderful. But it's, it's it's indeed not. It's something that needs to be kind of worked with and moved, and it's fluid and it changes. Um, and you know, uh, and I think the key thing is like the role of the accountant to have an eye and go, doesn't look right.
3: Mm. I remember a battle i well, should we say a forthright discussion I had with um, the the our own company's former FD who I, th- I think it was an article I wrote about four years ago entitled why bother budgeting or <laughs> something along those lines because the numbers are always wrong but I think the feedback that, that i received from from people in that forecasting space was just around the fact that as you said it's it's a flexible mindset that that you, it's something to just continually nudge continue to to iterate and say okay that, that that's not quite right why is that not right let's let's change this and and sometimes a process is just put in place but and then just left just left to tick on over and yeah. then suddenly you Get to a certain uh, certain date when you have to prepare accounts. Oh, hold on, no, it's uh, what was a uh, in U Group's case seven hundred power profit. Oh, actually, we lost six point two million. Yikes! Yeah,
2: and it's uh, I mean it it, it's just so dangerous, especially if you're if you're trading on like on the aim like they are Mm. like uh, shareholders will, will punish you quite quickly. And I think for businesses, especially now, especially like an energy supply or service supply of any kind, you you are swimming in customer data. Like you can real-time look at it go like, well, this doesn't match up with what I forecasted. So obviously I need to make a move pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, it's really remarkable. It's this one it. of those stories where you look at the figures you think, how on earth did this happen?
3: I, I think particularly for smaller companies, there are a lot of really great forecasting tools out there but once an element or two of complexity are introduced that's that's when a lot of these things just can't cope and there's so much data i mean with an aim listed energy company at that that there's going to be a lot of data swimming around and unless you're really focused unless you're, you're focused on the right metrics then stuff like this is going to happen
2: yeah i think it's definitely around identifying what is the most important for you um, and then uh, then you start to think about things like what Andy Schamberg always talks about, our, our FD columnist, about business partnering. So that's when those KPIs are formulated and the FDs need to understand their businesses and also speak to the different stakeholders in the business. If you're gonna form these KPIs and metrics in a vacuum, you're probably gonna be out of luck. Brilliant, uh, so Fran, thanks
1: for that. Um, and talking of forecasting, Maybe far this one on date. You should have seen this coming, I guess, Tom. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the little thing known as GDPR, which at the time, there was a lot of hysteria around GDPR. There was a lot of people rushing to, uh, to figure out their email, their content marketing, and, and their databases and everything. And now we're just one year on, and uh, people sort of shrugging. And if you said GDPR to them, <laughs> they'd ha- they wouldn't have the foggiest what you're on about. So Tom,
3: GDPR, what's happening? Indeed, it's it's quite remarkable, really. I've um, written a blog for the site. Um, I <laughs> rather tenuously pegged it on um, the the sort of dance craze that gripped mainland Europe during the the 14th to, <laughs> to 17th centuries, known as dancing mania, where uh, men, women, and children were dancing around in public. Thousands at at a time, sometimes, but for hours on end before collapsing of exhaustion and, and just dying on the spot. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, you know, as I say, why is this what what on earth's got this got to do with accountancy? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I mean, having been to a number of accountancy events, uh, the, the, the dance floor does tend to get a lot of erratic boogieing. But uh, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> on that point, though, Thomas, with uh,
1: mentioning that I think the the uh, the reverend from Footloose had a uh, he was onto something when he wanted a band
2: dancing. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Right. Like Kevin Bacon was the villain in that film. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
3: Dance mania. But anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, as you, as you said, uh, last year, Accountancy did suffer its own short lived outbreak of mass hysteria in the form of GDPR mania. Um, so the, the most read site uh, on Accounting Web in the whole of 2018 was um, the peerless Jennifer Adams. Uh, she exhaustively researched her GDPR in the small accounting firm piece. But looking at the traffic figures, uh, 88% of readers consumed Jennifer's article before the 25th of May deadline. And then you just saw the traffic fall off a cliff afterwards. So, uh, I mean, I, I asked myself in this column, so, so does this mean that all firms are now completely Data compliant, or have they danced themselves into a sort of exhaustion, <laughs> or is, is there something else going on now? It's been spring conference season. I feel like I've spoken to pretty much the entire accountancy profession uh, as part of this, and and I'm afraid that that the, anecdotally the the news for data compliance fans isn't that great. <laughs> you know, the the sole practitioners all those in small firms I've spoken to. And I, as I say, I've been diligently scribbling down in my notebook. So um, examples include, oh, I really need to do more, but I've been really busy. I've done nothing. And there was one um, chap who ran his own firm who just said, is that still a thing? Yeah. Um, but
2: it, how, mu- how much of that comes down to, this, to the software, the different softwares that, these pe- that accountants use in terms of, I mean, there's no software that's with its own weight and salt that's, not GDPR compliant. So, like, if you if you are if you have, if use zero or whatever, it just kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Is is that
3: sort of? I I guess um, I mean the tiny number of use cases that have come that have come out have involved mainly marketing or or tech spam okay. things like that. Yeah. So emails and stuff. Yeah, it, 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 it's whatever you use for your marketing, and if you if you've just got a spreadsheet or uh, a manual list in 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 some way, then that that is likely to be a problem. Um, you know, I chatted to one chap who was in charge of his uh, eleven partner firm that the compliance for that, and and obviously they've got more to lose from from the sort of turnover based penalties that will be applied. But he, he described the compliance procedure as bloody awful and uh, he said apart from a bit of a data cleanse he he said his firm yeah. hasn't actually gained a thing one, from it. The
2: the one thing to note about GDPR though is we are like just as as a as a planet experiencing like a wave of like cybercrime. Mm. Um, and if you or your firm or your client or your software if, if it's hacked and your client data leaks, GDPR suddenly becomes a very real thing to you. Um, sure. the, There's certain things you have to do, and I think it's definitely worth at least knowing what the process is. Yeah, I, I think many people, and, and I felt this as
1: well, the, the day of gdpid day, you pulled back your curtains and you expected there to be um, just complete clearness, but then... Dawn of the
2: dead scenario. Well,
1: and, and you, but you pulled back your curtains and all those spam emails were still there in front of you, and, <laughs> and it, it feels very much like nothing had changed.
3: I think that when the ICO starts to deal with this backlog of cases that have been reported and you start to get fines publicised, then I I think firms will find the time. But for the moment, I mean, I I was trying to list all the things that people have been doing. There's there's making tax digital, the new AML rules, IR35 for the private sector, the reverse VAT charge for construction services. They're they're all in, in the front of the... Compliance queue for firms to deal with, and it's it's hard to see where they're going to find time to adapt their data practices, as it were. So you know, until until the big compliance stick comes out, it's, mm-hmm. it's like tough the, to it's know. It's like
2: the accounting horseman of the apocalypse. There, just, you <laughs> just sort of famine, war, AML, AML.
1: <laughs> coming over the hill mm-hmm. on the burning horse of uh, MTD. Um, well, so GDPR then, Tom, if we can conclude is it something people to still to be should people still be worried? Or is it are they right to put their foot off the accelerator?
3: i' um, no, I mean I certainly wouldn't advise I certainly wouldn't advise them to ignore it. That would be Sean uh, Herbert says yeah, forget yeah. about <laughs> it. You're on it? No. Tom so,
1: Hewitt editor of a website.
3: Yeah, definitely not
1: uh, wonderful, but well, that's all the time we got for today So uh, thanks very much for listening But before you go, I must remind you that on Thursday, June uh, 20th of June We have a Accounting Excellence Talks webcast It is nail Your Niche and Fast Track Your Success um, So you've got your clients onto MTD, what, what should you do next? Um, so one of those things perhaps could be niching So narrow down and target a specific service and uh, build your practice growth so tune in sign up head to accountinexcellence.co.uk forward slash june 2019 talks sign up page and you all you have to do is just type in your name address and you're sorted ready for thursday june the 20th so thanks everyone thanks fran for joining us today thanks tom and thanks of course to john stockdike who flew by early on uh, until next time Uh, I've been Richard Hatsley and this has been No Accounting for Taste.